I want to take you to Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 3. I, I, I know I let you go. We get to love one another, then we can, it's hard to regather, but I would like to gather you because I got a, this is a really good day. A really, really, really good day in the kingdom. Uh, let me say a few things. You, can don't, you don't have to pull that up, but when you do, I'll. Yeah, that'll be where I am, but you can drop it for him. I'll bless the Lord. Okay, so Wednesday, most of you know, and I don't want to belabor what we're doing, but we're now Wednesday intercession, intercession Wednesday. For 12 hours, we watches in the sanctuary. Intercession is a unique position, not... Many are called, few are chosen, but if you are willing, all can be brought into that posture. Jesus is the great intercessor. Holy Spirit is a great intercessor. Jesus is at heaven at the right hand of God the Father as high priest interceding for us, saving us to the uttermost. Holy Spirit's in us looking for someone he can intercede through. Intercession is an identification prayer where you, we, we are placed in positions where God wants his presence, his power, his name to be known. And rather than look about the situation, see what can we do to change it naturally, we just ignore the natural and speak into the spirit. We begin to declare and decree the will of the Lord, the workings of God over nations, over people. Uh, we've been growing in prayer, learning that practice of prayer. It's more than petition, more than supplication. It's, a, it's taking a place and position. Sometimes that then carries the prayer longer than the day or the hour of prayer, and you start to carry the burden. For instance, once we came into uh, the need of a speaker for the house, the Lord burdened me that the humility needed to come back into the house of the representatives, into the Senate, into every place, to, all, to the church. And there had to come out of this contention of warring to become superior because you felt your agenda was better, and, and we had to come into humility. So I found myself now really holding that posture of prayer. It's not something I could just pray once and, and ignore. I had to, I'm just kind of like, I'm here, Lord, and I'm agreeing that you are. See, our whole government was based on the Trinity and the idea of that there is a lawgiver, the judge, a lawgiver, and a king. And so I, so Jesus being the lawgiver and the judge and the king, through Jesus, for the Father, is, he's the one now. I just said, Lord, I think you need to take over think you need to get into the hearts of men. You need to start changing some attitudes. I can't change anybody. No one wants to listen to me. I wouldn't know what to tell people. We need humility. So we prayed, and, and the same day, we, we got our new speaker, Mike Johnson, which now he's a part of my life. I, you know, you pray someone in or pray into someone coming in, then you begin to partner with them, and I can't pull my support from that him, even if he doesn't do what I want him to do. It's an interesting place. It's really exciting because we're, I didn't know we would be in a war. I, I didn't, I just knew that God said, I need, I want Jubilee, I pray, prepared you for all of these years to, to partner, to submit, to be an instrument in my hand, to pray through 2024. 
I want awakening in my church. I want a life. Uh, uh, I want uh, you to begin to decree my will over the earth. I want you to get out of the politics of it and just start declaring the reigning of the Lord Jesus over it. Now, I have nothing against all those who are, there are many now stepping into all kinds of arenas, and I'm, I'm thrilled. But you always got to be in the one God told you to be in. Because you have no authority outside of the one God gave you in. And so our arena is prayer. House of prayer for all nations. That was our charter. And um, it's... So we're there. And then on, during the prayer time, it began without... Again, you don't put a lot of things together. You, you move by the Spirit, and then you learn after you've moved what God's saying and doing, and you begin to get a bigger picture of all that. And it became apparent we were praying for humility. And that day we had read, or the day before, or the day after, Zephaniah 2. And can you put that up, chapter, verse 3, Zephaniah 2, 3 now? It's uh, a powerful little statement. And I had read Zephaniah 1 on the way to church, or listened to it. It's not good to read and drive at the same time. <laughs> but it's listening to it, and I was going, gosh, that Zephaniah 1 just sounds like Israel today and America today. Just, just where we are. Totally blind, ignorant, unaware of what's going on and what God's Father is trying to gain our attention to. Chapter 2, he's starting to step into this. This is the last prophet before the dispersion and before the destruction of Jerusalem. And we're not going to have prophets now in our daily reading until we get into Ezra so we can get the prophets that prophesied during the rebuilding and the renewal of the temple to be present with the history books that were there. And we've got some time now in Chronicles. So he says, seek the Lord, all you meek of the earth, who have upheld his justice, seek righteousness. And then this word just seek humility. So the meek are to seek humility. It, it's in times of trouble, the world wants to get large and loud and big and bold. In times of trouble, the church is to get small inside themselves and large inside of Christ. Seek humility. It may be that when you will be hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. Jumping to chapter 3, verse 12. A promise is coming because all, all prophets were brought to change hearts to bring God's outcome that he wants through the discipline he's bringing. And he says in chapter 3, verse 12, that uh, I will leave in your midst. Excuse me, I'll put this on my belt and it won't make that noise. A meek and humble people. If you're a company of the body of Jesus Christ, that's who we are. And if we get out of that, he's just not with us in the way he is when we are the meek and humble. And they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Humility is the, the foundation for prayer, for faith, for trust, for putting all our reliance upon the Lord. The remnant of Israel shall do no unrighteousness and speak no lies. And you see, our mouth will always tell who our heart is. No deceitful tongue will be found in their mouth, for they shall feed their flocks and lie down, and no one shall make them afraid. 
Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. And in that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. For the Lord your God is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And I will gather those who sorrow over the appointed assembly who among you to whom it reproaches a burden and continues. So Peter Skidonoff began to, without again, we prayed those scriptures and then he's saying the Lord is bringing humility. He's going to humble America. He's going to humble Israel. You don't want to go to war proud or reliant upon missiles and tanks or anything. It's got to be displacing ourselves from being the, the factor that matters and back into the one that can only bring the victory, humility. To be humbled is a beautiful thing. It can be very, it can happen in your prayer closet and it can happen on, in the middle of the world stage. But humility always comes because God is committed to bring humility to everyone he loves. So we would just start praying to that, Lord. Because you're going to, why are you, why is humility coming? Because you're going to step onto the stage. You're going to be the Lord. You're going to begin to be the one who's changing the course of things. And only you. And I was so so encouraged. And then we did that in our prayer, in our, our Wednesday prayer. We gave ourselves to praying into that humility and being clothed with humility. Did you say, it says in 1 Peter, I think 5, 5, that we're all to be clothed with humility. You know, I love the armor of God, but if you've ever put on armor without clothes, chaffs. The humility is what everything has to be put on. We have to be covered in the cloak of humility. It's the only means because our adversary is the king of pride. And wherever pride is, he rules. He has authority because he is the king of pride. So humility, that was a really huge thing. It's so important. Please be praying for our president, praying, praying for our Congress, be praying for our, our legislators, for Israel, for humility for ourselves, Be the first. I'll, if I ask God for anything, I have to ask it for me first. That way I keeps me honest. So I'm asking for humility. So then the Lord brought me, and I'm, so I'm just explaining the, the progress to this day, because we've entered into something bigger than anything we've witnessed in our lifetime. And this is not immediately going to go away. And there is no other course but the course that's being taken. But the devil would like to take it on a lot of diversions, increase a lot of carnage. And God would like to make sure it goes completely up to bring about his glorious name to be once again held and, be, and seen. I believe, I'm praying much for our brother Israel to behold the Messiah. I'm praying uh, Psalm 2, Psalm 110, Psalm 83. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm in a posture of intercession in that. I have, I, I think of the hostages and as being a hostage with them. I'm interceding for the freedom of God to move powerfully through that. 
I know that the war could go and spill into Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, and all the way to Iran. I know it could even go beyond that. I don't know where it's supposed to go. I know there's regime changes. And I, all of these things, I, I don't know that enough to tell you what, that's gonna, what the outcome is. I just know that it's really important. And though we are a faraway country, we are being touched by this. First, by having an alliance with Israel, which is to our advantage. Because God will bless those who bless you. Even, if, even with backslidden Israel. And Israel's backslidden on the standard of the Bible, not on my standard. It's just as America is backslidden on the standard of the Bible, not on mine. And, I, and just as, so there's, some, there's room for activity. So the Lord began to bring me then to these uh, stories. He's, he's began to speak to me for me, and it's all for me. I don't, I don't hear for you. If it's for me and it, can, it grows beyond me, then I will share it with you. But I, I learned, I used to pray and, and listen to the Lord for a message. And then I thought, well, that's dumb. You're not even here. I'm the one who needs a message. Talk to me about me. Help me get me reorganized and resubmitted and retrusting and renewing. And that just, that freed my prayer life so much. So I could be the one that gets caught. So I'm praying and the Lord's saying, intimacy and humility. Humility and intimacy will be how the war is won that we've now entered into. And I don't mean it in just missiles and tanks and guns. I mean it in it's, as all wars. They are wars of words. All wars are fought with words. And words ignite, ignite long before swords come out. So to win the war, the wars, you'll need intimacy and you'll need humility. And you'll need humility and great level. So then he took me to King David, reminding me of the story of our of King David before he was, well, he was anointed king. It's stories found in uh, second, uh, 1 Samuel 17, but we won't read it. He had been anointed by, by Samuel to be king of Israel. He was the eighth, the youngest son of Jesse, and he was the forgotten one. No one thought of him as important. He was good-looking, ruddy, young, but he, and he was kept as a shepherd boy, and that's where God had chosen him. In Psalms, it tells us, I looked and I took you from the shepherd. I chose you as I saw how you shepherded sheep. So he had uh, been, uh, after being anointed, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And his personal life expanded with the anointing. And he began to, uh, Saul began to be distressed because the anointing left him. And he would get a distressing spirit that would just cause him to go really melancholy, depression, and so he was counseled, go find a, somebody who's skillful in, in worship and bring a worshiper so that when you go into that mo mood and you fall into that pit, you can put the worship and your heart will change. That's why worship today still works really good in your house. Yeah. Whenever, you know, let, let, and so they found David. David began to uh, be an effective uh, release when the when that spirit would come upon Saul he would begin to worship and play his harp and the spirit would leave and Paul and Saul, King Saul would be refreshed so now comes Goliath Goliath was nine feet tall plus he wore a, a armor on his chest that wore that weighed about 125 pounds and he had a spear like a weaver's beam and the tip of it was 15 pounds. 
Can you just imagine? Even try. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> How are you going to get you with it? Uh, he cut that, and they come into Israel, and they camp on a on a mountain. There's a valley, and Israel's on the on the mountain. So the Philistines are here, Israel's here, and there's a war begun. And the war, by the time David gets there, has been going on for 40 days. The battle. Now, I've been there in Israel. It's right now a highway goes down that hallway, uh, that um, valley. But there are two high mountains. So you wouldn't come down that mountain unless you were going to fully engage into battle. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's, there's a gas station there now. It's funny. <laughs> Any case, um, first day they've gathered, every, an army puts themselves into a, a battle array, and they're prepared, and they're, they're going out. It's like, well, we gather and worship. We're, in, we're coming into battle array, or not. We can. They come out. They're, 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 they're loud. They're large. They're in formation. They assemble themselves, one on top of a mountain, another on top of a mountain, and they're there, and they're just like the movies, because this is a, all wars are won inside or lost inside. The, the one that, over our pocketbook, over our children, it's all the battle. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty to God to pull down the strongholds, to capture the thoughts. So they're there, and they're, they're there, and we don't know the size of each of the army, but we find there's one, one soldier who's really big, nine feet plus. His name's Goliath. He comes out, pompous, pompous, and says, you know... Why would, we're both, I'm Philistine, you're Israel. Why fight all of us? Just send you a man and fight me. And if I, if he prevails, we'll serve you. And if he doesn't, then you serve us. And everybody's looking at this giant. And literally, it tells us they were totally fell apart internally. They had a breakdown, internal breakdown. They were not in any position to fight, even though those were trained warriors. And fear, great fear grips them. And so he stands up and he says, I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man. And nobody is doing anything. He did that in the morning. He'd do it at night. For 40 days, they got dressed up for war. They went out. They were threatened by a man. They capitulated their place of, of, of covenant. They didn't remember who they were, where they were, why they're there. In fact, by the time David gets there, when, they, when Goliath would do his daily duty, he'd do it in the morning and at night for 40 days, when they would hear Goliath make his threats, say the same words every day, they would run and hide. They'd been so demoralized, so lost their place. So David, on the other hand, he would still go back and take care of his father's sheep and care for his sheep. The first thing about David is that he walked in humility, great humility, uh, because he'd been anointed king, but nobody cared. His brothers certainly didn't care, and he wasn't going to go beyond just, well, I'm anointed the king, but that is, there's still sheep have to still be taken care of. 
So he's, his father comes to him, Jesse, and says, I need, I want, I want you to go and take these, uh, this ephah of wheat and these uh, 10 loaves and these 10 th things of cheese. And I want you to take it up to the captain of the thousand at the war because David had his three oldest brothers in the, in the battle, in the war. And they are, uh, so he does. And he arrives just as the time Goliath comes out. This is 40 days into this battle. And I'm saying battle because the battle started once they, once they positioned themselves. And he makes the same threat. And the people are just melting like wax again. And one of them says, and then some of them say, gosh, have you seen this man, this, this giant? He's got to defy the armies of Israel. And the king says, if anybody was ever could go out and defeat him, then he would make, he would, you know, he would make their, their bills would be paid, the land would be paid, the taxes would be paid, and he could have a king's daughter. And David said, what, did he, what are they going to do? What would he do for the person? And somebody says it again, and now his brother Eliab gets all upset, who's his oldest brother. Because David had a funny disposition. He simply said, how can an uncircumcised, non-covenant man stand against a, an army that's under the covenant of God? How can he defy and not be but dis defeated? Eliab, he calls David full of pride. You're proud. You're insolent. You know, ever since that Samuel put that oil on your head, you've got it in your head. David says, what? Come on. What's, there's a cause here. So he continues the conversation. He's just saying, there's no reason for, there's, this is not going to go. And uh, finally the news gets to Saul. Saul calls David in. And David says, don't let anybody's heartbeat fail because of this. I'll, I'll, I'll go kill him. And they, first Saul says, no, that's impossible. You're just young, a young man. And, and on the other hand, he's been a warrior since he was a young man. He says, David says, well, yeah, but when I was kicking for care of sheep, everything about life is measured in the smallest of fractions, smallest of moments, smallest of minutes of life, a small place. And a lion came or a bear came and they grabbed one of the lambs. And so I went after him. And then I grabbed it, pulled it, freed it out of the jaws, and then it turned on me. And so I just grabbed it by its mane and killed it. And he says, and that happened to the bear. He says, this is going to be the same thing's going to happen to the uncircumcised Philistine. He has no covenant. He's defied the armies of God. It's no different than a, he's no bigger than a lion or a bear. Now, what I'm wanting to see is now a man of humility who's built in a place of intimacy in worship. Throughout all those Psalms, he sees the world not from what man sees. He sees it totally from who God is and what God is doing and what God's saying. And he recognized covenant and he remembers that this cannot happen with a God who's much bigger. Battles are not won by men. Battles are determined the outcome. Battles are determined, the outcome, by God. Defeat and victory. If it's a for defeat, it hopefully it's to bring humility and everyone starts crying out until God says, okay, I got your attention. Let's go back into the battle. And that's, again, all we have to do is read Israel, Israel's history. Time on schedule. It's like the nightly news. Bam, there he is. Defying. 
And everybody's fleeing. And there comes David. And he's this shepherd-looking boy. And he says, the Philistine just mocks him. Am I a dog? You coming out with a stick? And then he curses David by his gods. I defy his what the nation's raging, people plotting vain things, kings of the earth, rulers taking counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. It's not against, it's, that's, but you don't see that unless you are in it, in Christ, in, in that, hearing that part. Otherwise, it looks like it's all for this, it's all for that, it's all for this. And we're in that moment. Wars, you know, wars being fought with words. Trying to turn attention from this to that, to that, to this, to enlarge it, to exaggerate it, to make it bigger than it needs to be, to make it smaller than it should be. And he curses David by his gods. Ah, he's going to take you down. I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds. So David says, well, here's the deal. You come with swords and javelins and everything. But I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Whose armies you defied, you, you, you mocked. And he doesn't stop there. He just starts proclaiming. See, every, every little battle you're in, I've learned something in life. Whenever I enter into a test, I, I, I declare the outcome before I have a chance to know what's coming. I just, I prophesy. So he just simply says, you know what? I will take your head off today. And we'll feed your whole army to the birds. And everyone will know in the assembly that there is a God in Israel. Only one man in faith. Everyone else totally demoralized and unable to fight. One man of humility and intimacy is... Here, here's what we do. It's going to happen just like I said it. I'm coming. And so he gets that stone and sling and he starts running at Goliath. Like, and the farmer bear in front and he just starts running. You know, if you're going to die, it's better to run into it than run away from it. That's why we've been given the charge of praise. If you pick up, let us all pick up 2 Chronicles 20 and practice it like our life depends on it. Because it does. The praise is what, is, is the sign of a, a man of humility and intimacy. He's a praiser. He's a prayer. Because you pray like your life depends on it. You praise like your life depends on it. Then work with what God gives you like your life depends on it. But never let the work be in front of your praise and your prayer. Because your praise and your prayer is determining the work you will do. It will wear our, put our resource. So he's discharging, grabs it, whack, bam, boom. And he runs. He keeps running. And there's an armor bearer. And I don't know what the armor bearer must have freaked. Well, it doesn't matter, you see, because it's the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit. He couldn't do that. He wasn't a good slingshotter. I mean, seriously, if I was guarding a hundred sheep and a mountain lion came and took one, do you think unless the anointing of God came on you, would you think, I'm going to go get that? I might say a prayer of, you know, sorrow. Seriously, I mean, how do you go chase a lion who's got one little lamb? Because it's the anointing of God on you. He's saying, we're not going this way. That's not going to happen on my watch. This is not going this way. And he grabs, 
So he's already a man walking in covenant, walking in intimacy, walking in worship. And he's just charging. So he runs, grabs the sword out of Goliath, whacks his head off, picks his head up, takes the armor. By this time now, all of Israel is back in faith. <laughs> the whole nation's back in faith. And they're charging, and they just rout the Philistine army all the way to the, to the coastland, to Gath. Meanwhile, there's this, you know, who's, whose son is it? Well, it's the son of Jesse. It's kind of a formality. And, and Abner, the, kid, the general, brings David. And David's still got a, got a smile up from ear to ear, carrying the head of Goliath. This is our Lord. Amen. You see, when we're not conscious of ourselves and only conscious of our God, then we can be free in ways that never, 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 never would have imagined. Great victory, great covenant, great breakthrough. David is close to 40 years later, 45 years later. I don't know, maybe somewhere around there. He's gone through about two, three, maybe even three coups. He's almost lost his kingdom. Uh, he's old, he's tired, he's cold. Oh, I can relate to that, old and cold. <laughs> like, say warm. Anyway. And he's tell, he calls Joab his general. And he says, Joab, I need you to do something. I want to I know the count of my army. I want my army in place. And so Joab's saying, you don't need to do that. God will give you more than you ever need. You need to, and he's shifted. He didn't know it. It subtly had shifted from the trust in God to I don't, I'm tired of being chased out of my house. I'm tired of being misrepresented. I'm tired of people turning on me. I, I just want to get a big fat army. And he comes up with 150 a hundred million, one, excuse me, one million five hundred thousand fighting men plus. A good army. But as soon as he gets the number from the Lord, from Joab, the Lord's spirit convicts him. Because it was Satan who had moved him to put his, his strength into an army. And now he has to go through a judgment. A judgment that's going to cost some many thousand Israelis' lives because he stepped out in that pride, stepped out in self-reliance. I'm going to take care of this myself. I'm going to make sure I don't have to be chased out of my house one more time. And now, in the midst of the judgment, the angel, big, big angel with a big sword is standing over Jerusalem ready to destroy it. And now David is breaking. He is the man, he's my champion of repentance. He knows how to turn a battle. The battles, all battles are won in humility. And he says, God, why are you doing this? I'm the one. I did this to Israel. My sin brought this upon them. You're, don't do it on me. Do it to me. Deal with me. True sign of intercession is a willingness to take the blunt of what's happening instead of deflect it and discard it or accuse it. Just do it. And all of a sudden, he sees this angel. Now, the angel, the Lord himself, our Papa, our Lord, has already told the angel, stop. But he's, he's a frozen stop. 
And he sees this vision of an angel with an extended hand. But the Lord's already said, let's not have this go on any further. David sees the angel and he says, what do we do? And the prophet says, go and offer sacrifice right there where the angel's standing. Go offer your own uh, burnt offering. And so he goes up on to what is Mount Moriah, which one day would become the Temple Mount. And he buys the mount, the land, and the oxen, and the, from the, the Jebusite who's, been, who's up there threshing, who wants to give it to David. He said, no, if you can have the land, you can have the instruments, you can have the, the cattle, just do it all because uh, it's yours. And he says, no. This is a famous statement. I know you've heard it before. I will not offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. I have to pay for this. So he pays the full price and then he offers the offering with the very instruments of the threshing and the, and the yokes and the, uh, the oxen. And as soon as he does, the angel puts his sword back into his sheet. Fire ascends, comes down from heaven. And he's going, wow. David had never recovered fully from the Bathsheba incident and the Absalom upheaval and the second one and the third one. But now all of a sudden he's like revitalized. The place of judgment I now discovered is the house of God. And this is no longer, this is the altar of God. This is, this is the very place. And so he moves out of a out of the place of complacency or indifference or self-preservation and protect myself to, I've got to get everything that I have. I've got to take everything that I know what to do. I've got to get the whole plans of the temple put in place. I've got to get everybody in their place. I've got to get everything in resource because it's time for Solomon to step in and do the work that the next generation must do. Whoa! And that's what we're going to read in next week or this week. First, the last part of First Chronicles. It's just incredible. One man saved a nation. One man almost doomed a nation. But the man took a responsibility for the situation and he shifted the nation again. That's all. We are those people. We are those people. We have that opportunity. We can take ownership of however large God gives us responsibility for and begin to say, Lord, I recognize that what we're doing, and always include ourselves. That's a Daniel, I mean, it's, it's all the prayers. We'll learn these things, Daniels and Nehemiah and just Isaiah. They're just what you identify with. The issue that's taking possession of things. Pride, self-reliance, ego, you know, just all the issues of strength, of man. Lord, I just come to stand here. I know this is a, there's a plan. It is yours to accomplish. Jesus is all supremacy, all sufficiency. He is the answer to every answer, every question. He is the Lord of every Lord. He's the King of every King. Not one day, not someday, but today for eternity. And if anyone comes into agreement, young or old, some people are young when they start and old when they lose it. Asa was a king who followed David's footsteps and did a great victory in the beginning and then went totally capitulated in the latter part of his life and gave up to try to protect himself. But then there's those Caleb's who in their 40s say, you know, I'm going. I want this. But because of a corporate no, 
he's stuck walking out another 40 years. And again, by the time he should be retiring, he's saying, well, you know, I just don't think I can retire because I haven't seen the possession of the promise. There's something God gave me that stirred my heart, and I've had to walk out 40 years to pay the time that timekeeper took on. But now I'm ready. And so 45 years from that infamous day in Numbers chapter 14 when all of Israel rejects God and is about, and Moses and about to choose the leaders and go back to Egypt. And he now is standing before Joshua, the only two 80-year-olds in the whole group. He says, I'm 85 years old. And you know what the Lord said to me on the day I went out and came back with a good report in my heart. And he said, I'd have a mountain. And it's this mountain, the mountain with the giants on. And I tell you, I'm, I'm 85, but I'm as, I'm as fit as I was when I was 40. Because I want to go. I want you to give me the mountain. And then he says, the sound of faith. I always know I'm in faith when I talk like this. It may be that God will. There's no guarantee. Faith is not a guarantee. It's a trust in love, trust in, a, in the sovereignty, of placing myself inside his hand, saying, well, if I die, I die. But if I don't, I'm going to win big. Either way, I win. So he says, let me have that mountain. So there's old. There's Na- Abraham's being at 90 told, okay, now let's get going into your new assignment. It's happening for all of us. For every one of us. It takes humility and intimacy. It takes setting aside the precious time of life that we care each are given 24 hours each day and allotting to the Lord his allotment that he wants. Beginning with asking, how much, how do I spend time with you? Where do I agree with you? What is your word doing? And, and give him access. And then hold that place and continue in that place. And I, I beloved, we, we, there's just opportunity. There's opportunity. If you don't know how to pray, join us and we'll teach you. I'll teach you. I pray here from 10 to usually. But this is not me. Who cares? Anybody learn to pray. If you're desperate enough, you'll learn to pray. If you have need enough, you'll, you know. But let's do it. We're at, the, we're at, the, we're at, we're at a crest that could turn into the most, a, a very effective move of God. Or it could go messy for years. And I believe we, the living body, in humility and prayer and intimacy, listening to God and agreeing with the scripture and only his words, not worried about who's in charge and who they are, but just who our God is. And begin to decree what he's saying, worship him and what he's doing. And take responsibility as large as he'll let you take it, as much as you get to take ownership. And just, it's not immediate. It's, it's like, it's an abiding in Jesus, word abiding in me, abiding in Jesus, word abiding in me. But now he begins to say, here's the thing I want you to stand in agreement with me over this and stand with me in this. And I want this to happen. And I want to give you insight into what I'm doing so you can agree with me and stay with me. And no, don't let me go. And don't let me go out of memory. And just stay there. because we're, we're And then there's one, two, 20, 2,000, 5,000, a billion people that all start saying, Lord, we'd just like to see you just glorify yourself in a massive way.
and take me out of the way in the midst of it. Just move me out of the way. Just overwhelm me with you until you are only thing that matters and is happening. And we can make that choice now. Or we could be hiding somewhere, forced to make that choice, because none of the things we've kept are still here. I don't know. I don't want that. But it's, 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 it's like 360,000 Israelis had to be called out of reserve. Up to 40 years of age, they could be called upon. Larger, later, if they need more people. But, and they're all having to sign up. Now, if that army goes to war, as it is in war, without the prayers of the saints, I can tell you where the battle will go. It'll go sideways until eventually the prayer will rise and overwhelm the situation. But it, does, it could be at the cost of millions of lives. But on the other hand, if you and I can just start saying, well, you know what? I love California, and I love my life, and I love America, and I'd like to change a few things, but I'm just... I need to give myself back to God. This is not the time. I want you to take possession of the earth. I want you to begin to move. I've told you, God wants to release Iran from the rule that it's over so that it can, people can be free again to, to, and not have that extreme vengeance to kill Jews and destroy. It, it, it's going to. It's going to go. China has been judged. It's going to be changed. Things are happening now, that, but, but it's how it happens is the only thing we have, we get to have a part of. It can be, it could turn into the next position of God's dwelling place on the earth in, in a physical, demonstrative way, the church alive. Uh, uh, because somebody, and one of us, two of us, three of us, all of us, who knows? California, awakening. America, culture changing. The law is having to change because culture now demands it to change back to its culture, not the culture that we are under submission to demanding our laws to reflect itself. It just, it's a culture war. It's, it's, but the possibility is unlimited. But it just, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. I'm a coward, and I'm a comfort creature, and I'd rather ignore things as much as I can. I'd let, um, and yet, loss is the way we learn and gain, and the way we gain Christ. And there's a season. There's a there's a cup, there's a cloak clothing of humility, and a renewal of intimacy, and worship, praise, and prayer. It's the first equipment that the believing church gets back into. So if you allow me to, I'm going to pray those over us and for God's help to come to us so that each of us are not doing what someone's telling us to do, but we're doing what God's telling us to do. And are going to God and say, God, how do I position myself for this victory that you have want to bring in there forward? So if you'll stand up, let's just stand together. We'll just pray a prayer together. First, let's denounce pride. 
wherever it is in our life that we are aware of or not aware of. Self-reliance. So let's say together, Heavenly Father, thank you for comfort and protection that we've enjoyed. Forgive us for our complacency, indifference that we have picked up. I want to lay down pride, but I don't know how. So I ask you, humble me. Bring me into humility. May Jesus rise again in my life. I humble myself as I best I know in your sight under your mighty hand. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, return me to the life of prayer, to intimacy, to dependency, to reliance in your name only, in your power only, in your decrees only, in your scripture only. Return me to this place of trust, of reliance, and obedience. In Jesus' name, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Release my prayer life again. Speaking in tongues and all of these things. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Open my mouth again. I open my mouth again. Fill it. Fill it with praise, with prayer, with proclamation, with prophecy, with truth, with Scripture, and blessing, and kindness, and mercy. All of your words be the words that I speak. In Jesus' name, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Yeah. 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 Um, I just, I just really one second. We're gonna get. It'll be on. Here you go. Yeah. I just want to release the grace for the humility and the intimacy. When Pastor Steve said I, on Wednesday, said there would be a humbling of Israel in America, the important thing is I saw the throne of Jesus and he was putting a canopy on the earth flowing like the river of life. And that river was grace for humility. Because the heart is deep and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Jeremiah says, we need to have grace to humble ourselves. Yes, Lord. So God is releasing the grace, which yes, Lord. the Lord showed me was the power to change in this area and the desire to change. Desire for humility, the power for it. Yes, to see humility working in our lives, yes, submitting Lord. to the Lordship of Christ. Yes, Lord. So I just... I, I feel the humility that God is releasing to every one of us. And 
I want to confirm what you said, Pastor Steve, about God releasing people into their ministries, things that have been on hold, people that have been waiting for an opportunity or maybe giving up their ministry because of their age or whatever it might be. God says this is the day to sign up. <laughs> Again, God's going to renew it, but in a different way, and it will require humility. Not like, well, I did it. I think I can do it again. No, no, no. God's saying, no, humble yourself. I'm going to do something in a new way in yes. your life, in your calling, in your giftings. Yes. It's going to require that you humble yourself and lay down every way that you might have thought you did it in the past that might have worked. So I release that humility. And the five stones you talked about in the pouch of David, the other four stones, if you look at Erwin's book on numbers and in the scriptures five stones five is the number of grace mm -hmm. yes, he released Lord. the one stone to kill goliath the other four were reserved for the relatives of goliath that got killed by his mighty men <laughs> you look through the scriptures you'll see the uncles and kids of goliath got killed by those four under stones they were taken down grace Grace, symbolic of grace. I release the yes, grace of humility. It, receive the grace. I release the grace, the power for humility in your life. Yes, Lord. And the desire for humility in your life. For America, for Israel, for all the governments of the world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. God is assert, asserting oh. his lordship. Oh over the whole earth over all the governments of the earth and it's because he's humbling leaders so that they are able by his grace to submit to the lordship of jesus christ yes, lord. yes, lord. yes and lord. it begins here in the house of god i release the grace i release the grace for humility all of us need that all of us all of us need that grace for humility i release it in jesus name yes yes in jesus name in jesus name the father the son and the holy spirit that's the government that he's establishing on the earth now the father the son and the holy spirit we release it in jesus name Yes. We release that grace for humility in Jesus' name. Okay, Amen. now lift up your hands and let's worship for just a moment because it's important now to give to God back the worship and then there's a blessing coming.
you'll hold your hands out like this. Consider, put the picture of your, you've been recalled up like a reservist and now you are being re-given the equipment. The uniqueness of your life calling, the way in which you are to respond, the way God uses you, has used you, the place of starting. And out of the hands comes the fire and the lightnings of God. And out of the hands are healings and deliverance. And into your hand, God is placing your weapons that he's giving you of warfare. Of praise, of prayer, of the gifts of the Spirit. I don't know. But just receive. Lord, we receive the grace, the grace of giving, gifts, the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the move of Jesus, the, the things that are ours in Christ. We receive them now. And Lord God, you'll show us how to, to uh, put them into practice in our very life, our, our home life where we live. Oh, the Lord would say to any of us that I made your house a house of praise and a house of prayer. And it's not going to be a place of complaint or disgrace. I'm going to release the sound of praise in your house. Out of hearts, begin with yours, open your mouth, I'll fill it. I will declare my victory, my triumph, my love. Declare my outcome over all things that concern you. Begin here. Begin with your mind and your emotions, your outlook, your anticipation of next days. Just begin to declare I, my ability, my goodness, my grace. Praise me. And the more you praise me, the more life will come flooding into you. The more life in you, will life will flow out of you. You'll move from praising me for things that you've been complaining about, and you'll begin to praise me for my outcome of things that you've been stuck in, and you'll begin to praise me beyond your own four walls and begin to declare my lordship over my state California, my nation Israel, my nation America my world, my kingdom and you'll begin to be a voice that releases and unlocks the word of God and brings angels into acceleration and activation and victory I am changing you from where you are to where I am, to praying from where you see to what I have declared to be, I am changing the entire earth through my living church as I come forward through you. Through you. Through you. Whoa. If you receive that, just raise your hand. Say, Lord, we are. Get me in on this, Lord. Help me. Teach me. Train me. Hallelujah.
more but I want to seal this and let us go out into the day if you've got commitments ahead of you I won't want to keep you beyond that but if you want to stay worship that's great too Lord we thank you for the help that you're giving us we desire to walk with you and step with you and therefore we have returned to you and surrendered and yielded again now Lord make those things do the work of working them out with the spirit of God the word of God and the prayers we thank you. We thank you. Thank you. We thank you for victories in our home. We thank you for victories in our bodies and victories all around. Thank you. Thank you. Now go out with the word of the Lord that's been over us for months and now is eternally alive with great expectancy. Go to the door with great expectancy. Go to the mailbox with great expectancy. Open your email with great expectancy. Anticipate the Lord's coming and his breakthroughs are breaking forth in all our lives, through our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you.